0: Well, we're going to move on to our message today called Fit. We've been doing a survey of the book of Mark. Wink, wink. Everybody knows now. <laughs> We've been doing a survey of the book of Mark, uh, and I have so enjoyed just this time uh, for us to learn together a book of the Bible. I, I think uh, a lot of times we can, take, we can have a tendency Uh, to to pick stories out of the Bible and not really understand that it was a a human writer that God used and that human writer wrote a, we, we read an individual story within a broader book and we don't understand the context of the whole book. And so as a result, sometimes we miss what the writer's real intent was in the individual stories. And so by taking an opportunity like this for us, and we do this from time to time as North Place and we kind of do a whole book of the Bible at a time is it helps our biblical literacy to go up and we we get a broader picture and understanding of the book of the Bible. So we've been learning the book of Mark. As we've been learning the book of of Mark, what we understand is that it is a story, and Mark begins this way in Mark chapter one, verse one, is a story of the good news of the Messiah uh, that was coming uh, to help the world find freedom, to find hope and to find life and deliverance from oppression, that Mark's primary audience was an oppressed people who were looking for a Messiah. And, and the, the book that Mark wrote really was to help introduce them to Jesus and help them to understand that Jesus was the Messiah that they were looking for. The problem was that this Jesus that had come, this Messiah that had come, really wasn't, uh, he wasn't fitting in to their perception and their understanding of of a Messiah. And so as a result, there were a lot of people who rejected, and ultimately we know they rejected Jesus, and they crucified him. And while you and I, we celebrated it today, we know Jesus was crucified for our sins. The actual events that led up to Jesus being crucified was the fact that sociopolitically, Jesus was a a disruptor. He was an aggravator uh, to the current political power structure of Rome, but probably more directly to the socio-political power of the religious ruling class at that time. And so as a result, he was killed. He was taken out because he was disrupting the power structures at that time. And the people... The Jewish people, who was his, his primary audience when he was on the earth, don't be offended by that, he was pretty clear uh, that he came first to build a, a, a redemptive cadre, if you will, from within this, this Jewish group of people who would then go into all the nations, and that was the original call of Israel, by the way, as well. And so he was simply helping them to fulfill uh, their Abrahamic uh, promise. And as he did that, of course... He was rejected by these people because as he came as the Messiah, he didn't do things the way they thought he should do things. I mean, that's ultimately what it boiled down to. And so we've been talking about that. We've been talking about Jesus fit in our life and we've been talking about how we fit into the kingdom of God because ultimately at the, at the end of everything, those are those are two questions that we have to wrestle with. We have to wrestle in, with the idea does is there room in my life for Jesus? And if there is room in my life for Jesus, then what are the implications for that? How do I then fit into Jesus' kingdom? Because if I make room in my life for Jesus, then I have to make I have to accept and understand that he's king and that I am not. And if he's the king of my life, then that begins to make requirements on my life. Every everything changes. How do I Fit into his kingdom. And so the book of Mark unpacks that. We've been going through the book of Mark along with Jesus and his earliest followers, understanding that. Does Jesus fit into my life? Do I fit into the kingdom? And as we continue to progress in this idea of the kingdom of God, it it really pivots, and we've already covered this, on chapter four of Mark. Jesus uh, goes into like a series of stories and he's talking about seeds. He talks about a mustard seed. He talks about how a seed grows. And he's sort of uh, trying to help them to understand the kingdom of God is is like a seed. It's like this this small thing, this this little band of this little group of people that are now following me. And and, and this little movement that you're seeing is going to become this incredible, unstoppable force on the earth. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. And so to, to understand the book of Mark is really to understand... That the kingdom of God bursts into our life in a little opening. And then once it comes into our life, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And if you're willing, if you're willing to accept the unexpected, if you're willing to embrace the unexpected, if you're willing to make room in your life for the growth of the kingdom, the growth of the kingdom will become this unstoppable force in your life. And so we see as we're marching through the book of Mark, the unstoppable force the inevitable force of the kingdom of God. And Jesus' little band of followers getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they're moving toward Jerusalem. They're moving towards this moment in which Jesus would once and for all claim victory for the kingdom of God. And as you keep moving through this, come to Mark chapter 10. I wanna read verses 42 through 45 for you because it illustrates and helps you to understand the conflict that was going on between Jesus and not just the crowd, but also Jesus' closest followers. They, they were not sure about Jesus. They couldn't understand who this Jesus was and why he wasn't behaving like other rabbis, why he was doing things differently, and if he fit their idea of a Messiah and if they fit in his kingdom. And Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45 says this, and Jesus called to them, to him, and he said to them, you know for many. Now that may sound familiar to you because if you were here last Sunday, you will recall where we ended up our message last Sunday was in Mark chapter 8. And I read verses 34 through 37 to you. And it was it was a similar concept that Jesus was sharing. What 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 I'm trying to point out to you was there was this theme that Jesus was teaching his earliest followers and trying to help him to understand that the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of man. And it's not that it's just different, it's the opposite. The motivation, the primary motivation of the kingdom of man, our flesh, your flesh, my flesh, man when left up to himself, the kingdom of man versus the kingdom of God, the primary motivation will be different. In the kingdom of man, a man wants to build himself up. He wants to gain power. He wants to gain control. He wants to be God himself, Genesis chapter three. In the kingdom of God, as we ended our message last Sunday, in the kingdom of God, you surrender everything because there's only one God, there's only one king, and that is Jesus. So once again, Jesus is visiting this idea with them, this primary thread that's throughout the book of Mark, which is that that the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. It doesn't work the way the kingdoms that of this earth work now you may say pastor Andy you've taught us this before you've said this before why do you keep saying this over and over again i keep saying it over and over again because we have to get it we have to get it because we judge the work of god in our life we judge our own spirituality we judge our own spiritual success let me make it more plain Because this is what we really do. We judge the spiritual success of others. We judge the spiritual success of others based on the rules of the kingdom of this earth. Most of the time what I do is I give myself a pass. I mean, some of us torture ourselves. Some of us deal with self-hate. Some of us deal, but, there, but there's enough pop psychology out there to tell us to love ourselves and pat ourselves on the back and believe that everything's okay and everyone gets a trophy. There's enough of that out there in the world right now that that most of us spend most of our time really pointing the finger at and, and judging ourselves. Most of us, you know what we do? We find ways to give ourselves a pass. We find ways to justify ourselves. We we find enough gray area that we can feel good about ourselves while we're pointing the fingers at others and saying they don't fit, they don't belong, they're not in the kingdom, their spirituality is not legit and real, their walk with Jesus, their walk with God isn't legit and real, they're not holy, they're not righteous. And, and we skate most of the time, most of us skate free. I mean, we'll certainly get into moments of self-doubt and we'll certainly get into those places, but... But we quickly, it's a part of the human condition, we quickly find a way to get, to get out of that stuff because the pattern, pattern is so that we can oppress, repress, suppress others so that we can then feel powerful, so that we can then be gods ourselves. And we're not very different than those first century people that Jesus was ministering to. In fact, that was the exact same position that he was in. The occasion um, that I read to you this morning Where I read from, where Jesus makes those statements. The occasion for that is after Jesus has done signs and wonders and miracles. Remember, he's taught them before, this same concept before in Mark chapter eight. These guys have been walking and talking with Jesus. And uh, two of Jesus' closest followers, the occasion that Jesus is responding to is that two of Jesus' closest followers have been having a debate and trying to convince everybody else that they need to uh, step aside and allow these two brothers to be on Jesus' right hand and his left hand in the kingdom. After everything else, Up until this point that I read to you, now at this point in the story that I just read to you, Jesus has three times told them. "Um, By the way, we're going to Jerusalem so that I can get killed. I'm going to go die for the sake of. No, 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 no. You're going to come into your kingdom. You're going to man. We're going to build this. We're going to build this super big ministry. And I'm going to have a front row seat. I'm going to be. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be one of the pastors' right hand men. We're gonna build this massive corporation and it's gonna it's gonna affect South Africa and all of Africa, and I'm gonna get to be, I'm gonna get to be on the executive team. But I'm gonna to get to be in charge. That, that is the occasion for now the second time that Jesus has to directly address this issue to say, guys, will you stop? thinking that my kingdom works like the kingdoms of this earth. As long as you keep thinking of my kingdom, as long as you keep thinking that the rules of engagement and rules of operation and the way it works is the same as the kingdoms of this earth, it's never going to fit. The maths are never going to add up. This is why people don't tithe, Meredith. Because the math doesn't work. Because they're doing the math based on the kingdoms of this earth. They're doing the math based on the kingdoms of the earth. It's not because there's lack of clarity in scripture. It's not because people have been abusive. Yes, 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 there's controversy that people make up and try to make it ambiguous and like it's not clear. And yes, there are abusive ministries. That's not why people don't give. People don't give because we're basing it on the kingdoms of this earth. We find loopholes to giving because we base it on the kingdoms of this earth. That's what it all boils down to. Because we're playing by a different set of rules. And Jesus says, as long as you're trying to play by a different set of rules and the rules of the kingdom, you're going to continue to be confused. You're going to continue to have arguments that really don't matter. That's what was happening. Those two brothers were having arguments. And you know what? Their argument about do we sit on Jesus' right hand or do we sit on his left hand, the other, the other ten disciples were like, oh, hold up a minute, brother. Who do you think you are sitting on his right hand or his left? And what about me? What about my place in this kingdom? So Jesus, imagine this. Jesus is marching toward Jerusalem where he knows he's going to be crucified for the sins of all humanity. And his closest followers are arguing about who gets to sit on his right-hand side and left-hand side. Talk about team dynamics. People who don't get it. They were caught up in controversies that didn't even matter. They were fighting battles that weren't important all the while because they were still thinking like and living in a kingdom. I just have a question for you. Is it possible that I get twisted up over things that don't matter because my perspective is limited to a kingdom that's already doomed and that will pass away? Are you telling me, Pastor Andy, that I shouldn't worry about paying my bond? No, pay your bond. (laughs) But I am telling you, in light of your mansion that's already bought and paid for in heaven, I don't know if it's worth the torment that you're putting yourself through just so you can add another garage to your house on this earth that will turn... Back to dust. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth it to put a pool in. Oh, it's hot in Durban. You don't know. No, I know. Trust me. But I, I, I what I don't know if it's worth leveraging my peace, my relationship with my kids, because I'm this huge stress ball. You know, if it's hot, just get in the bathtub, it'll be okay. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know if it's worth just so that I can drive a, a little bit better car. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's worth the fight just so I have that label on my shirt so everybody thinks I have more than that. I, I just, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I'm, I, I think perhaps I'm creating Strife in my life for a kingdom that's already doomed I'm fighting battles over things I I promise I'm not trying to minimize the things that are important in this life But I am trying to tell you that a mature person has perspective And Jesus was trying to call his disciples into a place of having perspective And saying guys if you're going to fight about stuff Fight about stuff that matters And in my kingdom, guess what doesn't matter? Who sits where at the table? Guess what matters in my kingdom? What matters in my kingdom is not what title you have or how much people pat you on the back or whether a person calls you sir or ma'am. None of that matters because in my kingdom, you know what we do? We kneel. We stoop. In my kingdom, we serve. In my kingdom, we lower ourselves. In my kingdom, we understand that it's upside down. The lower I get, the greater I am. Jesus said, if you can just get this, if you can just understand this, it will change everything. Told you, Jesus had already told them three times that he was going to but he was going to die in Mark chapter 10 verses 32 to 34. So this is a few verses before what we just read. And they were on the road again going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. So if you under, like I'm trying to give you some just real clues to understanding the book of Mark. The book of Mark is movement toward Jerusalem. It's uh, Everything is moving toward Jerusalem, toward the cross. That's the theme. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the, tw- talking the tw- taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. So again, this is now the third time. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. So once again, in chapter 10, Jesus is telling them. Now the third time, telling them, we're going to Jerusalem so that I can be sacrificed. He doesn't leave them there. He says, after three days, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be victorious. But they're still not understanding. For a third time, Jesus is trying to help them. To grapple with the concept, as long as you're measuring success in the kingdom of God by the standards of this world, it's not going to add up. As long, get this, let this sink in. As long as you are measuring success in the kingdom of God by the standards of this world, it's not going to add up. Many of us are frustrated in our walk with God or our spirituality is difficult. We don't, we don't understand. We don't understand relationship with God. We get frustrated with relationship with other Christians. We get frustrated with ourself. It's because we haven't learned how to measure according to the kingdom standards, the kingdom of God's standards of measurements. Instead, we are measuring the kingdom of God by the standards of the world. This is, this is how we do it. You know, we call blessed, we measure blessing by the size of our house, the car we drive, the clothes we wear, the amount in our bank account. That's how shallow we have become in modern Christianity. We cheapen what Jesus did to a label. I want, you, I want you to drive. Look, look, that whole showroom up there is like dream cars. I, wish, I hope you all get one someday. Me too. I'm, look, I'm not. That's wonderful, but understand that that's not blessing. Maybe an aspect, a part, a wonderful thing, but blessing. Blessing. Blessing is Desiree's great grandpa having an encounter with Jesus, passing it on to her grandpa as he went his own way and did his own thing. But the inevitable pull of the legacy of relationship with Christ just wouldn't let him keep going until eventually he came back, building for her parents a story of redemption and love and a father. built in her life a narrative of a God who doesn't hate you and isn't angry with you and you don't have to prove yourself to all the time so a woman walks the earth who doesn't walk in this religious mumbo jumbo and is able to pass that on to her children and then her children's children that will come after that's, that's blessing that's that's blessing That's blessing. Jesus goes through a series in Mark chapter 10, and I, I'm not going to have time to spend a super amount of time in it, but here's the deal. The human condition is bound in, le- in the endless struggle to gain, keep, and increase power, and you see it in Mark chapter 10. We encourage you to do to, to do a daily 20 and read scripture, and the reason we do that is because we want you to learn scripture for yourself, because um, really, it's not about what Randy has to say. Scripture is alive, it's powerful, and it's making a difference in your life, but as I mentioned at the beginning of my message, what we often do is we take we take one little story in the Bible and we 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 uh, we sermonize it or we create it as an illustration, and I understand that. But sometimes, if you if you'll read Scripture in context, then you, <clears throat> then you understand that they're woven together. And there's three interactions that you see in Mark chapter 10 that are woven together all. While they individual have power and they individually have merit and speak some things to us, they're they're all brought together in the context of Mark chapter 10 to confront this issue of power and control and our striving for power and control. The first in Mark chapter 10, uh, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him what they think is going to be a super confusing question about marriage and divorce. And uh, Jesus said, "Well, you know what is." What does the law say? I said, well, the law says this, but oh, there's this gray area over here and there's this exception. And Jesus said, listen, you invented that gray area and you invented that exception. God has a way for you that is good and right and righteous. Just live in it. Just walk in it. But the human condition is to find the gray area because the gray area then alleviates it alleviates our, only, our, our own confrontation of our, of our own unrighteousness. We want to find it in others, not in ourselves. So you got the whole divorce issue. Then you got, you got a second issue there where children were coming up to Jesus and his disciples <laughs> always worried about the wrong thing. Oh, we got to shoo these kids away. I mean, he's the rabbi, he's the great teacher. We can't have him, we can't have him interrupted with these kids. And Jesus is like, guys, you don't understand this at all. If you really understood the kingdom, you would understand the way that they approach me is exactly the way that you approach the kingdom. You wanna to continue to enforce power distance. You wanna put people in their place. You wanna make sure they know they're just a kid and you're the adult here. your obsession with power distance Jesus said let them come that's the thing about see human leadership human forms of rule and government always 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 increases power distance it's what we always do we put people in their place We want to make sure you know that you're just this or you belong there Every every attempt of human leadership always leads to that place when it's unsanctified and led by the spirit just study history study your own history study your own home Jesus says no you got it backwards in fact it's like the way those kids approach me is the way you come into the kingdom and it and that's beautifully illustrated in the very next occurrence that happens there in Mark chapter 10 a very wealthy righteous man comes to Jesus and says I want to be in your kingdom and he starts the whole conversation by, Good Master. He does all the stuff you're supposed to do, right? He, he seeks to persuade Jesus through his following protocol, honoring protocol. Jesus calls him out at the very beginning Why are you calling me good? It's not because Jesus didn't know that he wasn't good. It was because Jesus was trying to point out the fact that it was fake. It was fake. You follow the guy. Well, follow the rules. Oh, I'm following all the rules, Jesus. Jesus is like, oh, yeah? So coming back to Meredith's sermon earlier, for those of us who have a problem with tithing, look what Jesus said to this guy. Oh, you got a problem? Sell everything. Sell everything. So for all those internet theologians who want to tell you tithing isn't biblical, let's just do what Jesus did then. Let's all sell everything. So don't play games with me theologically. That's Garbage. Sell everything, bud. You want to play by the rules? Sell everything. Come follow me. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. See, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus wasn't writing a new set of rules. He was making a point. And the point was that it was fake. It was fake. And those children who came, they weren't fake. They didn't follow pretense or all that stuff. They just just came. Innocently, they they came. They were attracted to the rabbi. There was something beautiful about him in this moment and what he was offering, and they came. Without games, without pretense, without gray areas, without the need to self-justify. They just came innocently. And Jesus said, that. This kingdom that I've been trying to tell you about, that's where it starts as that tiny little seed. If you just come to that place, the inevitable power of that kingdom will be irrepressible. It'll be irrepressible in your life.